Glacier Bank's totally free checking saves you both time and money. Visit your nearest Glacier Bank office today. There's a convenient location near you. Glacier Bank, member FDIC and an equal housing lender. And today we're going to talk fire from a guy who's been Mm. dealing with fire for, what, 56-some years, Flathead National Forest Service and FVCC instructor Rick Tambeth. Good morning. Good morning, John. Good morning, uh, Rick. I've been fired a few times myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not the same thing, no, Rob. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, talk with us a little bit about your background with fire. Well, I, I came out he, west here at, at 18 to join the Flathead Hotshot crew. Oh, wow. And uh, in 1967, and uh, last uh, my last fire was the Lemonade Fire in 2022 out there by Marion. So last year I took my first year off since the 60s. Wow. Well, yeah. you picked a good year to take off. Nothing happened. <laughs> Not too much. No. Yeah, that was fortunate. But boy, that lemonade fire, that was a doozy. Well, it wasn't, it actually wasn't too bad. It, it was in where we had access. We had mechanical uh, contractors and, um, you know, it really didn't pose too much of a problem hmm. for us. Well, Marion Fire got involved in that one too, didn't they? Oh yeah. Everybody gets involved with these fires. Yeah. So, um, what about fire that made you want to come out here and be a hotshot? That's dangerous stuff. Well, if, uh, if your scoutmaster is the state forester back in Minnesota at age 16, you actually could help him work fire with hoses and water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just sounded like an adventure, and it really was. We were based at Big Creek on the west side of Glacier Park, traveled all over the country. I've been to 18 different states then on, on fire assignments, and uh, it's, it's an adventuresome career. Uh, tell us a great story about uh, one of those times when you wondered if maybe you were going to get out alive. Well, um, I try to avoid those. <laughs> of course, yeah. Possible. <laughs> yeah. But I, I learned about thermal belts on the Cross Mountain Fire on the, the mountainside looking down at uh, uh, in Idaho, um, that's where it burns good all night long, mid-slope, um, cooler in the valley floors, cooler on the mountaintops, but uh, very active burning, and we had to kind of run for it there. <laughs> My first uh, instructor with fire behavior was Earl Cooley, who was the spotter for the Man Gulch. Um, oh, the Man Gulch fire. fire yeah. Yeah. That was terrible. Yeah, and uh, his uh, his charge to me was learn about fire behavior so you can avoid the mistakes that we made. Well, that man Gulch fire cost the lives of several firefighters from Kalispell. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's a lesson that we, we learned the hard way. And uh, uh, there's a book written about it by the same guy who wrote uh, River Runs Through It. Yes. And uh, fascinating uh, the way that story was told and how that came up the bri- the ridge on them and yeah you know you, there was just no way you could run fast enough right so it's it's lessons that we learn the hard way but um, that's kind of been where my focus is lately is safety working mm-hmm. with the young firefighters to try to not get them into harm's way well you've got a class at FBCC about. Uh, Pile burning. Tell us about that. Well, we have a couple of presentations at Flathead Valley Community College where on the 22nd of February, we're going to talk about the history of fire in northwest Montana. Okay, well, I'll dive into that here in just yeah. a little bit. But, but uh, the pile burning class, tell us about that. Well, that is another community education class, but I teach a three credit class on fire management. Mm-hmm. which is for their pre-forestry and their natural resources students. Hmm. 
What about uh, classes for uh, uh, people who would like to be firefighters and uh, need the education or to qualify? Well, that is done oftentimes by training providers or the agencies themselves. Mm-hmm. So like Montana Logging Association uh, is a facilitator for a lot of contractors that sign up uh, for fire. We give them some training for a wildland safety refresher in the spring, every spring. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of companies do train their employees um, you know, for firefighting skills so that they're qualified to go out. You know, and I, I just realized when I asked you that, that there's a big difference between fighting a fire in an urban area and fighting out in a forest. Well, the, you know, there, there is sometimes a lot of similarities, though, also. Um, the volunteer fire departments are our first line of defense against forest fires for residential and urban interface areas. But all the agencies kick in together. We've got really good cooperative agreements and understandings as to how we're going to uh, jointly um, work with fire these days. And uh, yeah. it's a, I, I know there's yeah. a lot of mutual aid going on, yeah. and it goes across, uh, across all, all boards. There is. When I first came out here in Montana in 67, it was the Forest Service on one side of the North Fork and the Park Service on the other side. And there wasn't, you know, the cooperation that there is today. Um, But in any extent, um, fire is going to play a big role in the future, I think, for us in northwest Montana. We've been building fuel loading, you know, and and it just accumulates. It doesn't rot as fast as it it accumulates. So I'm expecting that we're going to have a continued fire problem for years and decades to come. Well, that's a good lead-in to understanding the history of wildland fire, and uh, we're going to re- talk to Rick Tambath about that right after this. How's your day going? All right? Well, it's about to get even better. This is Jolene for Glacier Bank, member FDIC. I have news that will help your life run smoother, more efficiently, and maybe just a little more fun. Glacier Bank's brand new online banking platform has launched. That's right, your better banking experience is here. Go online or download our new Glacier Bank app in the App Store or Google Play Store. This platform is a pleasure to navigate and it securely takes care of your banking needs quickly so you can get back to your day or night. Experience streamlined 24-7 access from your computer, tablet, and smartphone. You know you are going to like it. He spent his entire adult life fighting fires. Uh, Flathead National Forest Service and FECC instructor Rick Tambath. So talk with me about the history of wildland fire in northwest Montana. Well, the, you know, the, the history has to go back to the Native Americans that used to live here. They had a totally different relationship with fire. They didn't have hotshot crews and air tankers and stuff. They actually lit fire a lot more than we would, I think, think or realize. And they did that for resource benefits. The result was that there wasn't the accumulation of biomass or combustible fuel loading um, on the forest. Not lightning played its natural role all the time. Plus, you had a lot of indigenous uh, purposeful fire burning, so 
um, that really mitigated um, fire. It, it, it was a lot of low intensity fire versus today yeah. we see high intensity infrequent fire. They didn't have any of those get away from them, did they? Well, I think they, uh, they lit on an opportunity basis and purposefully, yeah. strategically, to produce results that they wanted. That was especially true once they got European influences of like the horse and easier fire starting. And then we took that kind of all away from the land when we uh, basically the European influence was we didn't like fire. Well, we, we built cities yeah. which don't like fire. Which don't like, and they were all wood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of bad experiences in the Midwest came over, you know, and, and carried over to this part of the mm-hmm. country. And, and the, the transition point, can you kind of pinpoint that for us? Well, the, probably the major transmission, tra- um, the, ma- the major difference was in 1910. Mm-hmm. You know, when, um, when we... we uh, put the the Native Americans on reservations, prohibited their lighting, and then um, deemed fire as being bad that we needed to put it all out very aggressively. So um, it completely changed then, you know, the landscape through time. Wow. So now that we're putting the fire out, or since then we've been trying to put the fire out with varying levels of success. Yes. And... um, I don't think it's possible to, we don't have a choice between no fire and fire. It's going to, it's really a choice of what kind of fire we want. And uh, um, by suppressing good fire, that wouldn't have done a lot of harm in moist years, we defer that to where we end up with fire when we really don't want it on dry drought years with a wind. That's where most of our burning and problems will will end up. I kind of have a feeling we have one of those uh, summers coming up. Uh, hard to tell. I will never predict a yeah. fire season. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think already we yeah. know we're what at seventy percent of the, uh, uh, the snowpack. The snowpack. Yeah. And uh, we still got a long ways to go. We may wind up with fifty percent by the time we get to spring. Yeah, and if not this year, then eventually, you know, some year we're going to come to where things are very in alignment to support really large big fire again. But they do have controlled burns and try to create fire breaks and stuff now. Uh, so there's a little bit of that indigenous uh, attitude going on here. There definitely is. And the priority is around interface and and uh, values at risk. Yeah. And that's communities and subdivisions and things. So a lot of effort putting in towards reducing fire intensity as fire might come into those areas. So the outcome of taking this class in uh, history of wildfire, what, what, what do you hope your students will learn from it? Well, I, I, I guess what my emphasis in giving the class is going to be to show what fire is really all about in this area. It isn't something that you can um, put out and disregard. It's You're living with it. And, and, and by living with it, you need to do things being proactive to uh, not be reactive when you don't mm-hmm. want uh, that situation to develop. Is this going to be a, a technical 
class or? No, very no. much a picture-based um, narrative. Okay. okay. So we're just essentially going to learn about fire as opposed to try to analyze it. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's just understanding how fire behaves, what it does. It, for instance, most fire goes from west to east. That's a big deal for some people that live on the west side of Flathead Lake versus on the east side of Flathead Lake. West to east. For the most part. So is that predominant winds that's, generally? That's our general wind prevailing. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, uh, one of the things I thought about, uh, there's always, uh, you know, the loggers would like to log. Yep. Uh, we need uh, logs. And yet um, there have been uh, environmental efforts to stave that off. And we do have diseased trees out there that become fuel for fire. Uh, and do we have people that don't know fire pushing down decisions to us? Well, I think, I think our, our understanding generally uh, uh, of fire is very limited. I yeah. don't think there's a lot of experience firsthand with fire. People are afraid to burn even piles, you know, for the most part. And so... Um, what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do as an educator is to bring the, the, the knowledge and the understanding of how to, how to work with and how to live with FIRE. FIRE Safe Flathead, that organization is all about showing people what risk is with wildfire and then how to mitigate it. Yeah, wildfire, that's, uh, that's the word, you know, because yeah. that suddenly we didn't expect it. It's here. What do we do now? Uh, but uh, it, it strikes me in talking about uh, this course, do you have any intentions to write a book? Because it seems to me some <laughs> of the decision makers uh, outside of this area uh, need to learn about this. Well, I think we all need to learn more about it because I think it's going to be a big part of our environment here in northwestern Montana. Mm -hmm. From, I mean, it always has been and it always will be. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Rick, this has been just a fabulous conversation, and we're not done with it yet because we're going to talk about uh, fire safety right now in the dead of winter. We'll do that right after this. How's your day going? All right? Well, it's about to get even better. This is Jolene for Glacier Bank, member FDIC. I have news that will help your life run smoother, more efficiently, and maybe just a little more fun. Glacier Bank's brand new online banking platform has launched. That's right, your better banking experience is here. Go online or download our new Glacier Bank app in the App Store or Google Play Store. This platform is a pleasure to navigate and it securely takes care of your banking needs quickly so you can get back to your day or night. Experience streamlined 24-7 access from your computer, tablet, and smartphone. We know you are going to like it. Interesting conversation with Flathead National Forest Service and Flathead Valley Community College instructor Rick uh, Timbath has a uh, continuing education uh, program out there now at the College of the History of Wildland Fire in Northwest Montana. A picture-based presentation. That's good because that captures our attention. And uh, 
wildfire, as we mentioned, that happens suddenly. We don't want it to happen to us. So uh, what should we know about winter safety, Rick? Well, this is the time to work towards protecting your place if we're in the, in the summertime. Um, the, the, you just need to be more proactive with wildfire than reactive. It's always going to be a better outcome. So um, the whole emphasis is to understand fire and what it can and what it can't do and work with it. What about during the winter here? I mean, we don't think much about fire during this time of the year. But it's the, it's the best time to end up with fuel reduction projects mm-hmm. with your commercial thinning, with your logging, with your pile building. And uh, mm-hmm. burning is more in the spring and fall. But um, what you do right now makes a difference in July and August. Now, it's interesting that they have changed the burning policy yeah. in Flathead County now that we can, we can burn all year round with the uh, registration with the county and checking yes. uh, for, you know, temperature inversions and the like. Yeah, as long as the weather's conducive, uh, burning is now allowed uh, year-round. And um, um, this is the time to get rid of fuels, you know, when there's no danger for it spreading and, and yeah. everything. Well, when they're dead and on the ground, <laughs> it's a good, good time to do it as yeah. opposed to when they're blooming. Uh, you showed us a couple of pictures. Robin has them there. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, where were those taken? It was taken from a, a rock outcropping just south of Big Fork, and it shows the uh, Chapman Hill, the area north of Big Fork, being a savanna, basically a, a grassland um, in the early 1900s. And that is a carryover from the purposeful indigenous burning where they valued their horses and would have this kind of habitat to uh, invite the ungulates or the deer and elk in for better hunting yeah they make them close by yeah know? but isn't that something look at the difference look at it there. now now the entire uh, top of the the uh, hill is forested it's and it, and there's houses mixed in there with it yeah yeah, yeah. and so it, it's through time uh, the the growth of a forest is imperceptible year to year but by decade by decade there is vast amounts of additional uh, forest growth uh, throughout the forest. How many of us have not dreamed of uh, having a, a cabin or a home in the trees, in the forest? Well, I, have, I have mine there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful place, but you just have to know and live with the threat of fire. So and do you have the uh, safety zone around the cabin? Definitely. I, I uh, have, have thinned um, my property um, such that if a fire comes and visits me, it'll be on the ground. It okay. won't be through the trees. Okay. And then I can work with a ground fire uh, with reduced fuel loading. I still need to really watch out for spark ignition. You know, that is the most common way. The eaves and the, the Well, it, and it's that. just combustibles against uh, combustibles where yeah. you, where you yeah. have an avenue for fire to come in and start a house burning. Now, I, say, I think they say that you should be thinned far enough that no tree is going to fall within, uh, within the perimeter. Well, that doesn't bother me if they're live and thrifty, a fire won't ever, <laughs> ever yeah. knock one down right there. But your, your needle cast every yeah. year of ponderosa pine will drop 
I well, got, a third of their needles. Oh, Robin knows all I've about that. I've got them. Boy, I tell you, spring yeah. and fall, I've got a mountain of needles to get yeah. out. So if you uh, leave that keep growing and never clean it up, eventually it gets to be a thick layer and it will bring fire right to everything that it is an associated and with. I, I know how combustible those needles are because I've put them in construction bags before and use them to help start the fire in my stove. There you go, yeah. And boy, it's just <laughs> instant. Yeah. Well, so, so tell us about the uh, history of wildfire in northwest Montana. When is this going to be available to us? On the 22nd of this month of February mm-hmm. at 6 o'clock at the uh, Arts and Technology Building in uh, the Flathead Valley Com- Community College campus. Uh, we'll do that presentation. This so, is really something. Just yeah. the pictures you're showing us here, the Stoner Fire, for example, on Stoner Creek, which uh, was down by Lakeside. Yeah. And uh, then uh, and the perspective on that with the Summers Lumber Mill. And uh, how that was crazy. Now, the yeah. Wedge Canyon Fire, that was... That was in 2003. Mm-hmm. And I was structure protection. So the homeowner took a picture of uh, quite an intense fire near yeah. his doorstep. Where is Wedge Canyon? Wedge Canyon is north of Pole Bridge, between, halfway between wow, Pole Bridge gotcha. and the Canadian border. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, of course, uh, the, the fires around Flathead Lake, uh, we remember that fire down on Findlay Point here just a few years ago. Yeah, but in 1919, there was a fire between, well, Findlay Point. Um, yeah, so that was actually pretty unusual. For the, That was an easterly flow of fire from the hillside down to the lake. And um, I have a story about that coming up. Uh, arson. Yes. Involved yes. in this one. Yeah, that was that's that's tremendously devastating to yeah. the fire community. Yeah. 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 Boy, Rick, what a great conversation. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the years of service you've given to uh, keeping us safe from fire. One yeah. question. This yeah. uh, presentation is this a registered class or no. is it open to the public? Totally open to the public. Just come and, and there's seating available for everybody. All right, in the okay. Arts and Tech Building, which is a real cool place uh, to do some multimedia presentation right, like right. that. And what's yeah. the date on that again? Uh, February 22nd. Okay, right. gotcha. Okay. That's uh, next Thursday. Yeah, All right. coming All right. up. All right. Okay, Thank you. Rick, thanks so much. It's Glacier Bank's Community Conversations, a service of Glacier Bank where your checking is totally free. Just about anywhere you are in northwest Montana, you'll find a Glacier Bank office nearby, keeping you connected to your friends in your community an important part of the mission of Glacier Bank, member FDIC and an equal housing lender. We hope you plan on joining us tomorrow for Glacier Bank's Community Conversations.